Welcome to Season 2 of Shock Your Potential. This podcast is designed to help you to achieve your best self professionally and personally. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. My guests bring a wealth of experience, and their stories hold messages that transform me with every conversation. I seek out those whose businesses, lives, and causes challenge me to be my best, and hopefully, they will impact you just as much. I'm an author and speaker on leadership, sales, and the customer experience, and I want to help you to shock your potential. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And now, let's meet our next guest. Welcome to another episode of Shock Your Potential. And today my guest is going to really give you something to think about, especially if you are a person who's always believed if you work hard, you can really get somewhere. He's definitely proof of it. His name is Rocky Romanella, and he is the uh, head CEO, the big guy, the, the big kahuna of a company called 360 Management Services. And we're going to learn a little bit about him as well as his book, but uh, we're going to have a little fun as, along the way. So first of all, welcome, Rocky. Thank you for joining me today. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, and I look forward to talking to you and your audience. You know, the reason that I wanted to have you on, um, and I'm so glad that we connected, is, you know, looking at your background and, and seeing what you've done in your career, because you spent the bulk of your career with UPS, and you really you know, worked your way literally from the ground up in this company, and that's taken you to some different steps and different positions in your life, you know, after UPS. But, you know, can we just start off and, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, what does it take? to start at a company and really feel like you've worked every position and you, you know, you talk about, you know, being blue collar and, you know, and, and how hard you worked with that, but, you know, talk a little bit about what, what you did, your evolution through that company and why you feel it's so important that you had all those experiences from every level within that organization. Well, first let me start with, you know, um, Although I, I'm the recipient of it, I, it was some really great advice that my dad gave me when I first started the job. I was working my way through college at the time. I was going to a St. John's University, and it was a predominantly a commuter college. And so my dad told me two things that stuck with me throughout my career and today. And, and he said to me, the first thing he said is, whatever they ask you to do, <laughs> say yes and thank you. Yes, very good. And then he said, learn your job and learn some more. And so that always stuck with me. And so as I was working my way through UPS, and I originally went to college, ironically, to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. Ah. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, the leaders that I and the supervisor managers that I was interacting with, the best ones were all those leaders that had the ability to get their people to connect the dots and work with them and train and develop them. And so for me, I never gave up my teaching passion. I just changed my major to management, started, you know, took advantage of the promotion from within process at UPS and changed the classroom from a traditional classroom to the business classroom or my classroom now was in the business setting. And so I never gave up on my passion to be a teacher, you know, coach, but it was just in a different setting. And so for me, that's how it all began. It was this you know, desire to train, develop, and be a teacher to get people to connect dots. I just did it in a, in a business setting. And as I said, UPS had a promotion from within policy. And so you know, I took advantage of it. Now, one of the things that I, I learned along the way that became so important later on for me as a manager, leader, mentor, and I think it's, it's so important for others who are out there who, who get into that role is 
one of the things that I saw is that, so yeah, as I was moving along and someone would tap me on the shoulder and say, okay, we got an opportunity for you. And I moved eight times across the country with UPS and someone would tap you on the shoulder oh, and say, Hey, we got a That's quite a dedication. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to talk to Debbie Romanella about that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> she's still married to you. <laughs> oh, I could hear. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God she's still hanging in there with us. Uh, the four kids all great. Uh, but, but every time someone said to me, Hey, we got this opportunity for you at Chicago. You know, all I could hear my dad in the background saying is whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And so, okay, if you think I'm the right person for the job. Well, what I learned is I may not have been ready from a confidence perspective, but UPS believed in Rocky Romanello before Rocky Romanello believed in himself. And so for me, the valuable lesson there was as a leader, you have to believe in your people many times until they're ready to believe in themselves. And so you give them that confidence in those in that new position that you believe that they could do and that you see that they can do more things, but they may not see it themselves. And so you believe in them until they're ready to believe in themselves. Then you get to that point where, okay, they're good. You know, it's kind of that break even point where, where their confidence and their skills are kind of matched. And then they just, when they're, when they're really good and they're really confident, that's when you step back and you don't overmanage them. That's when you become the, you know, the cheerleader, good job, keep up the good work. You really got this. So for me, the valuable lesson, let them fly. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Let them fly with their own wings. And for me, the valuable lesson is it's important to believe in your people until they're ready to believe in themselves. And so that was a valuable lesson that I learned, you know, from myself as I took a step back and said, wow, thankfully they believed in me until I was ready. I need to do that. For the, for the individuals that I work with and, and see that can do more inside our organization. So that was a, a great lesson for me. I think that's a great point. And I, I want to make sure that we stop and really highlight that because I think that's really true. And as you were talking, I was thinking about different people I've led throughout my career and at times where I knew how much they were capable of and to see indecision or see frustration. And at times, you know, I had time and energy to sit and nurture them and develop it. And other times I'm like, come on, I know you can do it. Just go. And those were the times that they didn't do as well. You know, I need to give them more coaching, more counseling, more of my time, especially if we had transitions and they were having something new when they didn't quite believe in themselves. Oh, that's so true. And and let's face it. I mean, you know, you have confidence in yourself, but that confidence can only take you so far because it's, it's, the, it's that kind of marriage of confidence and, and skill that when it comes together is when you really start to, you know, really start to succeed and you really start to feel good about yourself and you really start to make an impact. But but when one of them is a little bit b- below its potential, whether it's your confidence or whether it's your skill, you know, it's nice to have someone that can help you get there. And for me, in many cases, to be frank with you, as a child growing up, it was my dad. And for, from you know, in my adult life, absolutely, it's been my wife, Debbie. I mean, without her, you know, I would never be sitting here where I am today or, or achieve the things I achieved because, you know, t- we worked through this together. I mean, as I said, we moved across the country, starting in New Jersey and you know, Jersey, Chicago, Syracuse, New York City, Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa. We lived in Iowa for a while. Can you picture Rocky Romanello in Des Moines, Iowa? <laughs> I bet you fit in really well. Well, the number one question I got asked was, are you in a witness protection program? And I'm like, no, well, if I was in a witness protection program, I'd be Joe Smith. Come on. Now. But great people. I mean, that was, we love living in Iowa. You know, then we went to Southern California. Of course, my two daughters and my wife love Southern California. And then Atlanta, Philly, and I ended my career at UPS corporate office in Atlanta. But without her and the family and support and the dialogue we had, and look, as you know, it's mm. not, not perfect all the time. Never. You know, you have your moments, but you work through it together and you stay together as a family. And, and to me, 
that was such an important part of it. So I think that, that, that those are the things that you learn as you, as you grow and develop. And as you do, when you do it with someone you love and you do it with people that you surround yourself with that have good intentions and want to work together in a, in a, in a business setting, you can really accomplish some, some tremendous things. One of the things you said too in the beginning that really struck me, and and we didn't have a chance obviously before this interview to get to know each other too well. But I started out my career as a teacher, and it was funny because I remember my family saying, "Why do you want to be a teacher?" And I said, "Well, because I love it. I love teaching. You know, I, I, you know, I love kids." And you know, my family all said to me, "You know, you're not going to make any money." And I'm like, oh, "I know. It's just for the teaching. It's just for you know," and uh, which is fine about you know because teachers work really really hard. However, I taught for a year. And then there were a bunch of layoffs of teachers in my district because there weren't enough students. So unless you were a teacher with, you know, some significant tenure, you didn't have a job for a couple of years. So I found myself in business um, just by chance. And all of a sudden, I remember two things. I remember, number one, I, I realized I can do this anywhere. Like, you know, teaching, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in a classroom. My classroom now is in a business setting. It's in a lecture room. It's in all these, it's in an auditorium. Um and, and that was fabulous. The other thing I thought is, I can make more money. <laughs> so, it's a little selfish on my part, but it's one of the reminders that I tell, especially young people, look, it really doesn't matter what your degree is, unless you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer or something, you know, with certification, whatever your degree is, you figure out what the passion was behind that. And if you can't find a position in that, use, find another position that has those elements in it and make what you have in your education. Well, I agree with you. I can't agree with you more. And, and it's funny because people ask me all the time, you know, you know, who did you write the book for and what's the book about? And for, it's, so for me, it's about this concept of leadership. And see, I believe we're all leaders at one time or another, mm -hmm. whether it's in a little league or, a, you know, cheerleading coach or, you know, PTA or, you know, as parents, grandparents. So we all because leadership is the ability to influence mm -hmm. And, and more importantly, the ability to leave a legacy. Did you leave things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their, of their time with you? You know, in a company, are your customers better because of their interaction with you? And I always cite teachers because if you think about it from this perspective, it's kind of dovetailing on what you just said. So if we were in an auditorium and I was given a keynote speech or you were given the keynote speech and we addressed a group and said, hey, by the way, who is your local state representative or who is the head of your board of ed? Most people right. couldn't answer that question. But if we ask the question, who's that teacher that made a difference in your life? Everybody stops, tilts their head. Oh, Miss So-and-so, fifth grade. Mr. So-and-so, third grade or whatever grade. Everybody has that teacher right. who's made a difference in their life. And so by that extension, that's legacy. That's leadership. We're all leaders at one time or another. I love that. And that's so true. And I think the same thing could be said, you know, of, you know, different leaders you've had in your professional career. You know, who's that one? And I, I get that often asked often in interviews, you know, who's one person in your career that really made the difference for you? And and I answer the same way every time. His name is Glenn Baylor. I worked for him when I worked in pharmaceuticals. And he he really inspired in me this sense of, you know what? just go try something new. If it doesn't work, well, then you found out one way it doesn't work, you know, kind of like Thomas Edison in the light bulb. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You're not going to, it, you can fall on your face. Who cares? You're going to know one more way to get up and try something different. And it's, it's those people, you're right, it leaves a legacy. It leaves a mark on you. It leaves, it leaves an imprint that helps you define who you're going to be in the future. Well, that's, uh, you're so right. And let's face it, as a person, you know, you really have three choices. It's either lead, 
follow or get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really what it comes down to, right? I mean, you, 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 you meet these people all the time. And I, I always say it's the juice box theory, right? You know, you're at the, you're at the <laughs> soccer field, the little league field, and you know, 20% of the people, you know, are going to go buy juice boxes and you know, who's going to buy the juice? I'll get the juice boxes and I'll get donuts and I'll get everything. 20% of people are like, I ain't buying anything. You, you want to buy the juice boxes for me. <laughs> And then, then 60% of the people are just on the fence. I guess if we're buying juice boxes, we'll buy juice boxes. Well, that's really, you know, kind of, that's the way it kind of gets, you know, kind of cut up. And, and the goal is for, for, you know, as a great leader is to what? Is to get the 60% of the people on the fence to want to be part of the 20% that's, that, that, that's participating. The 20% that's never going to participate, they're never going to participate. Yep, exactly. But we spend so much time in, in management and in leadership dealing with the 20% that, you know, that, the, you know, the least best or the most help needed pick a term that, you know, we, <laughs> that you use in your business today, but at the end of the day, they're not going to do anything. Yeah. So why so, are you beating your head against a wall? Yeah. So, so I, you know, towards the end of my career, I would say, look, you, why don't you just sit there for a second? I'm going to go over here and talk to all the people that are happy participating, <laughs> making a difference for our organization. Let me go thank them because we tend never to find a way to thank them. And at some point, mm -hmm. There's got to be a. There's got to be some benefit to being good. Absolutely, and and some reward for that. It's funny as you're talking about that. I remember I had a salesperson. Um, I don't know. It's about six years ago, and he was really. I wanted to strangle him. I'm not going to lie. And he was causing so many problems. He did not like the changes we were going through. And he was a pretty good producer on his own. So, you know, finally I said to him, I go, you know what? And let's just call him. I'm going to call him. Bill. I don't know. That's not his name, but I'll call him Bill. And I said, Bill, I'll tell you what, you know what? You are a great salesperson on your own. I know you're not comfortable with changes that we're having. It's a part of, you know, the company change, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to make you a deal. I don't want you to participate in anything from here on out. I don't want you to come to a sales meeting. I don't want you to spend time on the phone on the conference calls. I don't want you to feel like you have to, you know, put any of the assignments in. All I ask of you is don't, um, don't discourage your colleagues who are really embracing this. But for you, you've got a free pass. I don't want you to do a thing. And it was, he was so ready to fight me on everything. And I just threw him because I said it really respectfully. I, was, I wasn't being obnoxious about it. But I really thought if I could just get him out of the way, he won't infect the others. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, it wasn't three weeks before I noticed he kept showing up on conference calls. He wouldn't say anything. He'd just be quiet. And about you know, a month after a meeting that he wasn't invited to, he's like, oh, maybe I want to come to a meeting. <laughs> there you go. It's just something to say, just, you know, why did I want to spend my time and energy with somebody? But eventually he actually kind of came around. Well, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, one of the cardinal mistakes leaders make or people make in business or in, in, in their personal lives is that it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And everybody makes it always about them. I mean, so it's like the person you work for, right? You're sitting in a meeting and they say, you don't know how <laughs> tough it is to be me. And you're like thinking to yourself, okay, but you wanted the job, number one. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, number two is you're okay with what they're paying you. And then number three is we got problems too here. You want to you wanna lead here a little bit? And you know, nobody wants to hear that. But, but so often you hear that. Well, you don't know what it's like to be me. I got to go to that yes. next meeting and I have to... You know, and it was like, I remember the first, you know, as I was starting to get promoted to different levels, right? And as a supervisor manager, someone would say, hey, what's going on? And you'd say, well, this, this, and this. And they'd say, no, well, that's unacceptable. We got to go fix it, right? But then as I started getting promoted and I was in the meetings with the people who I used to work for, and so when they got challenged, they were using my answers. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> 
hold on here. That answer to about a, six months ago got got me under the bus pretty quick. I mean, you couldn't start it fast enough, right? Now you're using my answer. So you found out that, you know, as, as you grew and developing, took on more roles, you realized, wait a minute, we're, we're all in this thing yeah. together. We're all good people trying to do the best job we can. And so exactly. quit, quit acting like you, you know, we look on a team, everybody's got a role. Just do your role to the best of your ability and realize that we're all good people just yeah. trying to do the best job we can. Yes. And that's why I always told people, I'm like, it's lonely at the top. And they're like, oh, because you're so important. I said, no, because I can't share with you the faults that I have. I have very few people right. that I can show them to. <laughs> you all can show your exactly. faults together. I've got a very, very small group. Well, this is fantastic. Let's, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk about your book. So we're going to take just a moment and hear from our sponsor. Do you want effortless lead generation at an extremely affordable price? Then you need to know about the Royalty Gem, with an IE, not a Y. This breakthrough technology serves as a remote proximity marketing device, allowing you to reach customers and clients in a very unique manner. The Royalty Gem is a tiny wireless device that sends your message and website to every nearby Android phone up to a thousand meters away, depending on the gem you choose. I began using the Royalty Gem over a year ago. I spend $25 a month for a 100-meter radius, and my return on investment has been outstanding. I can change my marketing messages frequently as I like, but I most often use it to promote this very podcast. Whether I'm walking through downtown Philadelphia, through a busy airport, or even while dining out, my Royalty Gem, sitting in my purse, brings me hundreds of new listeners each month. To learn more, Visit www.royalty.com backslash question mark AF equals shock your potential. And remember, that's royalty with an IE, not with a Y. This link will also be available on our websites at shockyourpotential.com, shockyourpotentialpodcast.com, and of course, via the show notes for this episode. Once again, visit www.royalty.com backslash question mark af equals shock your potential to learn more about how royalty gem can help you to shock your business potential and we are back now with rocky romanella and rocky this is i love our dialogue because it's it's affects people in so many different ways in terms of how they look at their their work and how they look at their personal lives and professional lives but i want to talk specifically about your book and first of all i've got to tell you okay so your book is called tighten the lug nuts the principles of balanced leadership i have to tell you the the cover of your book is phenomenal i love the picture of the guy in the tiny car i love the backdrop on your website where you show the kid working on the lug nuts but tell us a little bit about your book you know what's you know what's the core of your message and what possessed you to write a book because people always ask me that crazy question and and uh, i think it's a fun one to hear why people make the uh, decision to to sit down and write something it's not an easy process well thank you for asking and uh, with the book the book uh th- the cover is great because it's funny people who know my two sons rocky and andrew and think about that you have your first son and you go through all the book of names and you come up with rocky I'm like wow <laughs> But, You're very creative. <laughs> yeah. 
So if you the, the the gentleman on the cover is neither Rocky nor Andrew, but if you saw Rocky or Andrew, they look like Rocky, right? It looks like either one of them, right? Yeah. And so the people would say, is that Rocky or is that Andrew? And I said, no, it's neither one. They go, why don't you pick one of them? Because who's going to tell the other one? I mean, you think oh, about yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> but thank you for <laughs> recognizing that. It's, it, that was a, it was a fun book. So I, I started out the book. So as we talked before, this concept of legacy, do you leave things a little better than you found them? And so for me, you know, I, I, this concept of legacy, can I leave something that could be helpful for people and maybe take some of the wonderful people that I've met along the way, the things that they've taught me, the, you know, the things that they've instilled in me and, and maybe put something down on paper. And then secondly, I wanted to be able to recognize my dad, who was such an important influence in my life and, and had some of those wonderful sayings and things he said, which he, you know, it's funny, he, he didn't articulate him that way. My dad, you know, came from Italy and heart, just one of the hardest working people I ever met, but, but it was just, you knew what, you knew what he meant kind of idea. And so I was able to put down some of the things that he taught me. And of course, in my adult life, it's been Deb and wanted to recognize her and some of the wonderful things she taught me. And there's some great stories about her in the book. And hopefully before we end, I'll tell you one of the lessons she taught me that's been such an important part of my career and, and I would believe my success in, in leading uh, large groups of people. But so the book, so the book started that way. I will tell you, I spent like the first two weeks staring at a blank piece of paper saying, who's going to read this? <laughs> I was going to, you know, and, and secondly, you know, do I got enough to put in a book, you know? So that's, that's for those okay. of you who are sitting there thinking about writing a book, it really starts with getting that first hurdle over, you know, what am I going to write about? I, I think the mistake is don't, 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 think about the end of the book, just sit down and start to jot down important th thoughts and notes and memories and those kinds of things. And that's what I did. I said, you know what, I'm just going to put down all the wonderful stories. Now, people who know me know that, you know, can't tell any, I can't have a conversation without a story or an analogy. And, and frankly, we're going to laugh. I mean, I always <laughs> told everybody before this day's out, we're going to have a good laugh because you know what, we work hard enough. Let's have a little bit of fun. So, so the story's full Absolutely. of, you know, the book's full of stories. As I was kind of growing in my career, I never liked the, the feeling when someone brought me an idea, I would say, well, that's a good idea, but what if you looked at this or how about this? I always felt like that sort of was a negative and that might stifle conversation. So I developed this character years ago called Joe Scafone. And so when someone would bring me an idea, I would say, that's a good idea, but you think Joe Scafone thinks that's a good idea? <laughs> And so for me, that was my way of challenging them to be the best they could be, right? I, and that was number one. Number two is I always felt like one of the mistakes that we make is we always stop at the first right answer. So how do you challenge people not to stop at the first right answer? Because obviously it's the right answer, but you want to see, can we go a little deeper? Can we go a little wider? You know what it's like when you're on a customer visit, right? You know, you, customer says, okay, I'll, yeah, you know, I'll sign up. Okay, but if you knew their business a little better, are there more, can you go deeper and wider with them? Can you create a better solution? Can you create a solution that maybe your competitor couldn't get to because of the skill sets you have? That only comes once you go past that first right answer of saying, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to enter an agreement and we're going to start working together. It's the ability to work past that first right answer. So Joe Scafone allowed me to do that in a fun way by saying, hey, you think Joe thinks that's a good idea? The funny part was years later, as I, you know, as people knew me and worked with me, people would come to meetings and say, hey, by the way, I covered this with Joe Scafone already. <laughs> Before I came in, he gave me the green light. He said, that this is a good idea, Rocky. I said, okay, well, look, maybe it is a good idea. <laughs> <I'm not suggesting laughs> well, can I at least hear the idea? And so 
So for me, the book was that sort of like kind of put together summary of a, of, of a wonderful career, meeting some great people along the way, learning from some great people, hopefully myself helping people along the way with, and then putting it in a story format that, you know what, every chapter you'll smile, every chapter you'll laugh a little bit. And I think what's good is it gave me a chance, as I said, to recognize my dad and Deb for all the wonderful things they did for me. So that's sort of the, 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 the book. I love it. I, I love it. And that's, you know, it's, it's fun when, you know, the book is, is something that's passionate for you. And when I wrote my first book and it's, it's called tell me more and I'm actually about ready to release the second edition of it um, at the end of September, <clears throat> excuse me, followed by my um, second book. They are, it's interesting. They've become almost like children to me because I, I've written them like fiction, you know, they're characters that are all parts of me and parts of people I know, parts of my past, parts of, you know, my present. And it's, it's something that you're right, your chance to speak a part of your heart and your mind and your thankfulness that you don't always get to, to say to people on an everyday basis that you can't always get through, you know, when you're speaking to a group or working with a group, but that it's a, those little pieces of you that you know that you would never be who you are without. Well, it's such an important part of it. You know, and I was saying that, you know, uh, for me, for me, one of the greatest lessons I learned was, you know, we, Debbie and I, we, we met a couple at church and, you know, cause Deb's great. She's very, you know, very friendly, very outgoing. And me, I'm like, Deb, if we meet these people, cause we got moved so often at one point I said, Deb, let's not meet anybody. Then we don't got to say goodbye. Then nobody, Aww. we're not sad. She's like, no, no, we're, we're going to, we're, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to be there. We're going to, we're going to ingrain ourselves. So we go to church and, and, you know, do the handshake of peace and you meet the people or whatever. So we go out to dinner with this couple. And so we're at dinner and, you know, the wife says to Deb, Hey, who's your favorite kid? Oh boy. And so Debbie looks at her and I, and I, I kind of step back again. I never heard that question before. He asked her, let me see how she handles this. You know, right. So she goes, what do you mean? She goes, well, you know, you got two girls, two boys. Which was your favorite? She goes, they're all my favorite. And so, you know, the woman laughed and said, yeah, no, but come on. She goes, you know what? They're all my favorite. And she said, they each get what they need when they need it. So that makes them feel like they're the special one. And I thought about that and I think, how brilliant is that, right? Each gets what they need when they need it. And I thought to myself, number one, how thoughtful, what a brilliant answer, right? Just shows, you know, the depth and breadth of who she is. And then from that day forward, as I managed, you know, my staffs or managed large, you know, large groups of people, I thought about that and said, you know what, each of them needs to get what they need when they need it. So if you're managing, you know, a staff of 15 people and you have a CFO, he or she is very good. Well, what they need isn't to you, for you to overmanage them. What they need is for you to give them the authority that goes with their responsibility, allow them to do their mm-hmm. jobs. And so you may not spend a lot of personal time or time with them, but that's not what they need, right? Mm-hmm. You have a new, maybe a new director of sales. They need your more of your energy, time, effort. Maybe you go on a sales call. Maybe you say, hey, look, when you get close on your first win, if you need me to come out there and close it with you, I'll, I'll, I'll be the closer for you. We're going to get you a win. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what they need at that time. And then as they grow and develop, they'll need something different later. So that whole concept of each of them gets what they need when they need it became a hallmark of how I managed going forward. And it, it, well, it came, came from nothing from me. It came from the way she answered that question in such a brilliant, thoughtful way. And I said to myself, you know what, that's a great lesson in that that's the way to lead your people is to, is to give them what they need when they need it. It makes me think back to when I was leading people and 
uh, you know, I had all these sales managers that were reporting to me. And whenever I would pick up the phone, I'd see one calling and I pick the phone, they'd say, I'm sorry to bother you. I know you're busy. And it took me a while before that really started to register in my head. And finally, I started saying every time, please don't say that. If I can't take your call, it goes to voicemail and I call you back when I have time. If I've picked the phone, know that I've seen your name. I have time. You're the most important thing that I can deal with right now. And I'm giving you my attention. So don't worry about it. You know, it's not about, you know, apologizing or interrupting or that I'm very busy. My job is for you. So let me take care of it. And it took a long time um, with my team for them to get out of that. And it reminded me that often in business, we're moving so fast that sometimes we make our team feel like their needs for us are in position on our needs. And I think that's a great story from your wife. What a great example of leadership from a personal and professional standpoint to say, I'm going to give you what you need when you need it. And don't worry about it. That's, that's what I'm here for. Oh, I think that's, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, and just to kind of finish up on your thought there, that's the title of the book, by the way, Tighten the Lug Nuts. How that, there's a yeah. story in a book that talks about a situation we had where I was walking out to uh, talk to a, a manager about a specific problem that we had that was a problem that needed to get taken care of. And one of my challenges was always, hey, someone's going to be the best at this. Why not you? someone's going to be the best at this. Why not us? And so I need to get this one piece, this one element fixed. I was looking to have that conversation. In the meantime, though, as I was walking there, I noticed that one of the vehicles had some loose lug nuts, which is not unusual <laughs> when you're driving a vehicle a lot with a right. vibration. So long story short, I grab, I see, see the, see the manager say, Hey, I got this really important job. You're the right person for, you know, he, he's got, you know, he, she's all pumped up now. <laughs> Hey, by the way, by the way, we got some loose lug nuts over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a couple of days later, I go look for him and I say, hey, what, uh, how's it going with my, my project here for you? He's like, oh, I got no luck. Nothing ever goes my way. I can't believe it. What's the matter? Ah, uh, driver, driver called. He thinks the front tire may have loose lug nuts. I got to send out a vehicle. I said, is that the one I talked oh. to you about? He said, yeah. I go, why don't you just tighten the lug nuts? He looked at me and goes, well, you told me you had this oh. big important thing. I said, here, that's the lesson. When the lug nuts were loose, they were important. When you didn't take care of them, they became urgent. You can only handle so many urgent things in your personal life or in your professional life. Tighten the lug nuts. And if you think about what you were just talking about, it's that phone call that you, you know, let go into voicemail because at that moment you weren't, you know, you didn't have the ability to take it, but then never call them back. Then all of a sudden, like three days from now, they're, they're tracking you down. Hey, I can't believe this. I, I got to get an answer on this signed contract. Or I got to get an answer on this pricing. And the customer is either, if you don't tell me now, I'm going moving on to somebody else. And well, it, it's that loose lug nut, right? It's it's the ability to take care of important things before they become urgent. And that's how the title, you'll, the whole story is in the book. But that's how the title came about, Tighten the Lug Nuts. You know, don't allow important things mm -hmm. to become urgent. And I think mm -hmm. that's what's you know, when people get overwhelmed and you take a step back and you wonder, well, how did this happen? And how did I allow them as their, as their kind of leader? How did I allow them to get so overwhelmed? You'll find out that it's the sum of many little things that they didn't do well versus the sum of many little things they did well that, that turned out to be a really world-class organization or a world-class leader. It's, it's the sum of many little things. It's the loose lug nuts that could have been tightened for five, took, could have taken five minutes to tighten the lug nuts that day. Now it became a whole project that took him off plan or her off plan. And now they feel like they're overwhelmed. And now they get to this 
victim of I got no luck, nothing ever goes my way. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, who didn't tighten the tug? Who didn't tighten the lug nuts here? Exactly. Yeah. That you got to look in the mirror at those times and say, okay, I let the little things slip in order to keep my eye on a bigger prize and everything. It's you got to build a foundation with with many different things. <laughs> I love that. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> Well, you got to tell me when, you know, that's one thing I always tell people when you read the book, I always get emails or people on the website who interact with us and say, this was my favorite story. <laughs> that was, I, I love that part. That's right. It is. It's great. Well, and so I think that, you know, but with your wife's story, I think that you know, takes care of our question about the greatest example of leadership that you've had that's impacted you. So as we near the end here, my last question that I always ask everyone is, you know, kind of that opportunity to reflect. And if you looked back at, you know, the younger Rocky at any point in time, you know, what time would you go back to? What would you tell Rocky that would help shock your potential or his potential farther, faster, or kept you exactly on the same path that you you took in your life? So it would probably be Rocky Romanella in his late 20s, early 30s. Mm-hmm. And it would be Rocky Romanella who, as, as current Rocky Romanella tells everybody, do not allow your strengths to be your weakness. Mm. And so the thing I would tell Rocky Romanello is, boy, your strength is your high energy, you're enthusiastic, you're committed, you know, you'll run through walls. What's Rocky Romanello's weakness? Your energy, commitment, <laughs> enthusiasm. And so the thing I would say to Rocky Romanello, now that I kind of laid out, is not everything's a hill to die on. Mm. Don't make everything like this is the most important thing and this is it. Don't make this, don't draw a line in the sand for every little thing, right? You're going to, you know, be, you know, and I think that that's part of the problem, right? So when you're, when you, when you've got a vision and, you know, think about a career, for example, you know, you've got this career vision inside an organization, but someone taps you on the shoulder. I mean, my career at UPS, you know, went many different directions. I mean, I got the opportunity when we purchased mailboxes, et cetera, uh, to run that as a direct report and 5,500 mm-hmm. stores, all independent business owners. It was outside of the core of what UPS was doing and it was outside of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I could hear my dad say, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And so you pushed yourself outside that comfort zone. And, and there, and so there were times when other, you know, maybe it didn't go the way I wanted it to go, but I, but I had to be flexible. And so don't let everything be a hill to die on. If that next move that you believe that you should have gotten, or you believe that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the way it should have went. And now you've got to go tell somebody, well, maybe there's a bigger picture. Just have a conversation, but don't make everything the hill to die on. And don't make everything. Okay. Here's the line in the sand that if they don't do this, or I don't do that, or if this doesn't Mm -hmm. happen, Hey, look, I, as you said in the introduction, I was at UPS for 36 Mm -hmm. years. I didn't agree with everything that happened at UPS. I didn't disagree enough to leave. And that's because my core values and, you know, my values, my ethics, my my integrity, who I was as a person matched up with the core values, integrity of UPS. That doesn't mean it wasn't a perfect, we didn't have imperfect days. It didn't mean that we had never disagreements. Uh, There were days I drove home (laughs) saying, this is it, I'm done, I'm quitting. And I'm like, I hope nobody heard that. Did anybody hear that? No, okay. Next morning, you get up earlier, you go back in. Hey, I need this job. I got four kids. I got, you know, what am I doing Deb's here? not going to make me, let me uh, stay in uh, Des Moines what, forever. <laughs> no. Well, that's why people say to me all the time, you know, I was with UPS and then I retired from UPS, took a role as a CEO at Unitech. You know, we had a, pro- a private equity sale and now I'm doing this. And people say, well, what is one of your biggest failures? This whole retirement thing isn't really working out too well for me. <laughs> I was going to ask you that because I, I listened to one of your other interviews and I thought that was 
um, it's, I think it's a, a strong characteristic of people who, you know, just love what they do that, uh, you know, retirement, I don't think means what, what it used to mean and it shouldn't. And so don't feel bad about it. You haven't failed at it. You're just finding new ways to have fun. <laughs> well, you know, look, I said a lot of great things about Deb, but let me tell you the morning I said to her, Hey hon, <laughs> what are we doing today? Oh, she said, well, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what I'm doing because for the last 40 years, I haven't seen much of you. So I got a routine here. <laughs> So, and I don't need anybody following me around the food store. I got this down. <laughs> you know, every time she would go, say, hey, I'll go with you. I'll keep you company. I don't, I don't think you understand here, you know? So I said, I, I think I better start doing something. How about that book? She said, you, you know that book you wanted to write? Hey, go, go with it. Go write your book. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I got this. It's so funny because that's, uh, I remember that point with my, my, my dad. So my dad, uh, he retired three times and the first time he had run a gas station and he worked at it, you know, 6am to 6pm, six days a week. You know, my mom raised six kids. And I remember, you know, this point and I was coming upstairs and my dad had been retired for maybe about five months. And he's like literally following my mother around. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Can I help you with that? And I remember my mom stopped and turned around and said, if you don't go find a job, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and I remember going, oh, oh, this is not good. And it, but it was really defining for them both to be able to say, okay, look, we've, we've got our routines. We've got our plans. We've got to figure this out because now we have time together and we don't want it the same way. Maybe you think it, or I think of it, we're going to have to find some new balance, but it's going to take a while. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, it's constant learning, right? I guess we say we're lifelong learners. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> We're lifelong learners. It's just we're learning different lessons now. Absolutely. Your wife is a saint. <laughs> oh, yes, she is. Yes, she is. Uh, she's got a, I told her, she's got an easy pass into heaven. <laughs> she, I think she's, well, I met her obviously, but I think she sounds like she's fabulous and she uh, is, has been a great inspiration. Well, as we near as we near the oh, end, absolutely. and this has been such a great conversation, I want to make sure people know I'll have all your information in our show notes, but they can also reach you at 360managementservices.com. And that's three with the number three, but the word 60 spelled out, managementservices.com. Your book is called Tighten the Lug Nuts. And right before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or any good pieces of advice to share with my listeners? Yes, just a couple of quick things. Uh, one, thank you very much for for giving them the website. I do, you know, interact on the website. Uh, I my email address is rockyromanella@gmail.com. If you want to email me with any questions or any concerns you may have or anything that you would like to discuss, please feel free or, or in, use the website for that as well. But just remember that two things. Number one, never allow anyone to affect you more than you can affect yourself. Never allow anyone to affect you more than you can affect yourself. And, and you know what? The best part of, you know, what you can do as a person is you can be the architect of your own destiny. Take the time. And I always tell people, think about what the end would look like from a legacy point of view. How do you want people to remember you? How do you, what's a word that you would like people to describe you? And I know many times people use words like, you know, energetic, aggressive, uh, decisive. Mm -hmm. For me, the word is always thoughtful. I would want people to think of me as a thoughtful leader, that I was considered in a way I approached things. I considered things from its widest consequences. I was a thoughtful person, a thoughtful leader. And so I think as you, as you begin careers, as you move through careers, as you think about ending of your careers, how, how would people, what's the word that people would use to describe you? And how do you want that? What is it that word you want to use? And as you're starting your career today, think about that. Don't allow anybody to affect you more than you can affect yourself. Be the architect of your own destiny. 
And what's that word you want them to use? And if, if that's the word out there, as you grow and develop and you, you know, twist and turn through a career, are you always reinforcing and doing the things that exemplify what that word really, what you stand for and what that word means about you? So that, that would be my kind of final thoughts. Rocky, I love that. A great advice and, and very wise to uh, to think about that, especially for people who think that maybe there's some terms you need to be remembered by or have your legacy. But at the end of the day, you know, like we always say, you know, it was on their deathbed saying, I would have worked harder, been more aggressive. It's really about the legacy of how people remember you as a person and as a human being and how that affected your work as well. I absolutely enjoyed our conversation. So if you or your audience ever needs anything, count me in. Excellent. Thank you, Rocky. So again, this was Rocky Romanella. He is the senior partner with 360 Management Services and the author of a book that I think I definitely need to have now, just as least or the very least to enjoy the stories, Titan the Lugnuts. Rocky, thank you so much for being with us today. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Uh, it's been my pleasure and have a great rest of your day and be safe. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. My book, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, is available on Amazon and through my website. And look for my second book later this year, Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget, shock your own potential today.